The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Panel Discussion, your home for a weekly comic book talk. Right here on the BICBP Radio Network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, alongside, as always, Greg Norton. And we are back this week to uh, to talk comic books. We took a little little hiatus last week, but we are back and getting ready to head into our uh, our Halloween month. Uh, we have a lot of special themed uh, books for you, and uh, we're excited. We have our good friend Micah coming on from the Terror Trio podcast. He's going to open up our Halloween. Uh, Pretty much Horror Month. It's going to be the second week of our Halloween Horror Month. That's right. That's (laughs) right. Um, So we got a lot to do. We got a lot to do. A lot to discuss, but we wanted to kind of close up this month with a uh, a fan favorite uh, of mine. I think of a lot of people, but they may not know his... Um, his, his really his comic book origins, uh, I would have to say. But that would be uh, Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, uh, one of the most popular characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, you know, even myself, I thinking back to when the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out, uh, I didn't really necessarily know who Star-Lord was. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, it, it's funny how that works, that he became quickly my favorite character because of how well... Uh, Chris Pratt playing him in the movies, but um, he's been around for quite some time, even though there was a good chunk of time where he floated around in obscurity. Yeah. Um, Star-Lord, actually, his first appearance in comic books was uh, Marvel Preview number 4 uh, in January 1976. He was created by Steve Englehart and Steve Gann, and uh, yeah, he's been... He's he's been around. He's been in quite a few teams. Uh, obviously, most notably, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinity Watch, Ravagers, United Front, Nova Corps, and NASA. Did not know that one. Um, and he's, uh, you know, the, the cool thing about him, which makes him, I think, so relatable to a lot of the movie viewers, is that he doesn't really have powers, right? I think we, we talk about relatability a lot of the time on this show, you know, people we can relate to. And, you know, he's just a normal guy who's really just an expert in in weaponry, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, just hand-to-hand combat, essentially. I mean, he doesn't really have any, uh, any superpowers. I mean, there's a part of him that has uh, enhanced strength, durability, and longevity. But other than that, he's just mostly a, uh, he's like a space punisher. Yeah, I, and he has like moments where he gets stronger abilities. Oh, now I'm closer to the mic. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's mainly like tech and guns and like Space Punisher. I think like Space Indiana Jones. That's probably a little <laughs> bit more accurate. Is a solid one too, but yeah, for sure. Like he's he's definitely like kind of out of place in that cosmic style, which I, which I like about him. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it gives him a. a cool angle i guess because i mean obviously everybody knows his guardians team gamora you know uh you know alien creature and just really gifted Uh, she's not too like doesn't have really powers powers either but you know a talking raccoon uh groot who can do essentially what you know he can grow big small whatever appendages 
Um, Strength, increased durability, you know, all of that. All that fun stuff. Drax, the Destroyer. So he, it's it's kind of cool that he like he fits in, but he doesn't. And I think that's what uh, that's why I like him so much. But but yeah, I've always uh, since I've seen him, I've always had an interest in his comic book history. And um, I'll tell you, Chris Pratt really changed Star Lord for a lot of people. A lot of people. And it does, it goes again to say, like, and a lot of people know this nowadays, but um, this this Guardians team that they made famous wasn't the original. That's right. You know, it, it was that Starhawk character we get to see in the second movie. It was Yondu, it was Charlie 27, like all these other characters um, that we got to almost see more as a, what's the word, like a cameo in the second movie. Yeah, which was a cool nod. Which this definitely Guardians cool team is more from what we're about to read now. Like, they didn't even come around until 2007, 2008. Yeah. And this is the team that we know as the Guardians when that's not where it's all started. Right. Yeah, I, it's funny because I remember growing up, My um, I've said it many times on the show, my dad, my uncles were big comic book collectors. And uh, one of the comic books that floated around my uncle's house quite a bit, you know, he just had them kind of in crates. Um, but one of them was an early Guardians of the Galaxy book. And, you know, it, it, when I finally seen the movie, I was like, these aren't the guys I remember seeing on the covers and stuff. And it was just uh, just a vastly different team. And even he was, like, confused. He's like, when he first seen the movie, he's like, I don't know who this new Guardians of the Galaxy team. I'm like, this, he's like, I know Yandu, but that's about it. Um but yeah, it, it completely changed overnight. Um, essentially, and it was really cool too because, as I mentioned, like Star Lord before, um, before what we're about to read, essentially, was an obscure character. Yeah. For for quite some time, um, Drax was bigger than Star Lord. Drax was actually yeah. in like Infinity War. He, yeah, <laughs> he he was. He was a big deal. Part of the you know original Infinity Watch and, and all that. Drax yeah. is a big part of that. Even Rocket too, because I remember. Um, I mean, Star-Lord was just kind of coming up, but, but Rocket was a big character that I'd always heard of, um, you know. He's hard to, to not stand out. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I had heard of Drax, you know, Gamora vastly different, but, but yeah, Star-Lord's changed quite a bit. And there was actually a period of time where he wasn't even used, and it was from like the early 80s till 2004. Uh, I guess the, his original writer had a big plan and uh, was going to essentially in pro wrestling terms give him a big push but he eventually let he left marvel um he was supposed to become this like godly space character like cosmic character which would uh you know it might vastly change our perception of him you know um who knows if chris pratt's portrayal would have happened if if that really did you know giving paving the way for him to kind of be a jerk but funny at the same time if he's what this guy, his original creator envisioned uh, that might not be the case, go, you know, going forward. He might not have stood out either because we we have these other like ultimate cosmic characters. So many of them, yeah. So he might not have stood out the same. That's true. Um, you know, Quasar. Uh, you know, the original C- Captain Marvel characters and, and so many more. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have <laughs> a generic Earthling that becomes like a godlike yeah. cosmic character. I might not have bought it so much myself, but. Um, but yeah, I have a deep appreciation for Star-Lord. Um, just a great character. The movie's definitely helped. Uh, I will admit, um, you know, he's just, I don't know. Just, again, the, rela- the relatability factor goes such a long way for me. 
I went down a rabbit 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 hole right now, which seems like a fitting term. And like when we talked about how Rocket's been around for a while, I was like, I wonder if he's ever teamed up with Squirrel Girl. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet. And I feel like I want that comic book. I was made uncomfortable by the fact that the search was. I typed in search, and like the first thing that popped up was, "Have Rocket Raccoon and Squirrel Girl ever teamed up, uh, fought each other, or hooked up?" And I was like, <laughs> That last part. I just I don't know how I feel about that last part. <laughs> the internet is sick. <laughs> Google is a wild place. I will say that. Um, <laughs> and especially like like on that thing, there was also like a a blocked image, like blocked for mature content. I was like, I can only imagine. Like, I just wanted to know if they teamed up. Like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> you know, there's some kind. I'm not even gonna get into that. That is that, that is a deeper rabbit hole than. Than what you were trying to get into. Squirrel's nest. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, all right. So, we want to do one of our choices uh, for this week. Well, uh, our choices for this this comic book was essentially Star-Lord's rebirth. Um, you know, his, his proper rebirth and, and the, the beginning of what we know, you know, now know as uh, Peter Quill, the new modern Star-Lord. Uh, so we chose the Annihilation Conquest uh, storyline, which Star Lord had a, his own four issue part two, and you said there was a couple other characters they had yeah. it too. We um, we actually personally touched on it for our Nova episode. We did uh, we did one, I think one of our comic books for the Nova episode did end up covering that. So um, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really cool you know thing to do it, and then instantly I go look it up. It's considered one of Star Lord's best like. I mean, I can't even say like individual stories, even though he's definitely the feature con- character it's to totally it. Totally a Guardians book. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> with, like just without name. That's the only exception. Um, but uh, we're gonna take turns. I'm gonna read issue number one, and Greg is going to read issue number two. The other cool thing yeah. to mention about this is that um, Annihilation is like today. The episode they were recording, or no, sorry, two days ago from the episode that we're recording now. Uh, there was actually an announcement that they're relaunching an Annihilation storyline in Marvel, like featuring these cosmic characters, which was kind of cool. Like, oh, we just happen to be doing an episode. Like, good timing, us. That's how we roll. That's how we roll at the panel discussion. Um, so that should be that should be exciting to see. Um, all right, let's get into it. So, um, the introduction of Star Lord's Annihilation Conquest storyline is is pretty simple. They give him like a little backstory. And I'm not gonna lie, like looking at him at first, I hated his costume. Oh yeah, that costume. It looked like it looked like an owl, mm-hmm. you know. And I just it was not about that costume, but um, you know, it just kind of just really gives him a backstory and, um, you know, just kind of how he ended up here. He got captured by the Kree essentially, and um, you know, they were paired under some pretty graphic scenery in this. But um, he awakens, and he's pretty much told that he has to go battle the uh, Phalanx, which is, you know, a big deal with the Annihilation thing, which was a major story back, you know, around this time. And, um, yeah, you just it's kind of cool because you get to see bits of, you know, how much of a smartass he can be, mm-hmm, which I... Sure. I, I I really enjoy. Like he's not like trying to be goofy in here, and it's. I think I'm. I'm kind of glad that we got. Well, at least I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know if you ever read this. Did you ever read the story before the Annihilation storyline before? 
If I did, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but for, like, to see what he is now, to kind of go back and see, like, he's a little, a little dry at this yeah. point. Um, he's not over the top funny. He's got like one-liners, um, but I don't think he's like the way he's no. being portrayed is trying to be funny. But um, essentially, he has to lead a uh, he has to lead a team, which is uh, which is pretty cool. And they go to their detention center essentially and they start introducing some of these characters that uh quill has to lead into battle against the phalanx and the first one is bug which he kind of looks like a cross between nightcrawler and um mantis and a bug (laughs) and a bug essentially spot on greg (laughs) spot on Uh, you know he's kind of a cool cool looking character there um, and they move along a little bit, and uh, Deathcry is the next one. She's a Shi'ar, which is you know kind of a cool little cross between essentially well Star Lord and the X Men. Uh, obviously, Shi'ar a big part of the X Men uh, lore, and um, moves along. Then Mantis, who's actually kind of uh, they call her AKA the Celestial Madonna. Which yeah, she's I, not the same type of like character. She's like nah. this goofy. She's more of like a matriarch, like not a matriarch, but like a, almost this like goddess ascends. Yeah, she's a little snob. Like a this was the biggest difference. Oh, actually, no, I can't say that because one of them's coming up. Um, but yeah, just a big difference between her movie portrayal uh, as well. And then they move along. You get Captain Universe, who's actually a. Uh, He's actually from Earth as well, which I read. His real name is Gabriel Vargas. Uh, you know, he's super professional. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of... He's, him and Quill actually get along quite a bit. Uh, and then they get meet Rocket. Like, this is the first time that he gets to meet Rocket. And, you know, there's so much chemistry kind of between the two. Uh, banter goes back and forth that with, um, you know, amongst each other. And then we get introduced... To Groot, which I thought was really cool. Groot is huge. He's probably about 20, 25 feet tall yeah. in this book. Um, and they have him chained up uh, pretty well. But the biggest thing that you know me and Greg wanted to kind of mention was that he can talk. Mm-hmm. He can make complete sentences. It's not just, I am Groot. He just, he will... Yeah, he legit has conversations. Yeah, he's actually too of of uh, royal lineage. Like it's like listed. He's like a prince or something in this. Like, I forgot how he's they, a royal blood, the self-proclaimed monarch of Planet X. That's what it is. Yes. Right. So, so um, and, and I don't know if they've mentioned that before in the movies. Mm-mm. I don't think they did that. I, but um, I might have read it somewhere prior. But <laughs> Craig almost just died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you okay? I dropped a screw. Oh, no. <laughs> but that pretty much ends their walkthrough. And then Quill kind of goes and tries out some weapons. You know, being the master of weaponry, he's actually really bad at it. <laughs> this is probably my favorite panel. They actually have, like, the target thing, and he just shoots all around <laughs> it. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're just kind of ripping at him. And, you know, these Kree guys, you don't exactly inspire confidence, do you? Uh so, um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. He's, he's gearing up. This is, becomes his eventual, you know, his pretty much first renowned, uh, costume essentially. And it's, uh, it's really, it's, 
it's kind of cool to see where the origins of that came from. But, um, you know, there, there's, like, different comments and stuff. Like, Rocket's trying out, like, a Gatling gun, um, <laughs> which is really cool. And then he goes, yeah, the... Uh, one of the Krees were like, "Yeah, he's the the raccoon. He has a a good relationship with the uh, with Groot and in Star Lord fashion, a raccoon in a tree, charming." And that's pretty much how it ends. But uh, it closes out with they get um, they pretty much get ready to to go. And it's a really cool image of this team, and uh, just kind of just waiting to go. But yeah, it's like Groot legit is holding Rocket in his hand, like it's. Vastly different, you know. The, in the the movie sense, you know, Rocket's always on his shoulder, um, and he's got like a bandolier and all this stuff. Like I couldn't believe that they just—it well, is comic books. So it makes sense, but they just found clothing big enough for him, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of uh, that's kind of how it ended that first book. Uh, I'm gonna get right into the review portion of it, and I do gotta say, I there's. Like the covers, Gore, that my favorite part, and it, like we try to say, the the cover is just as important to the artwork as the inside, and this is probably one of the better covers um, I've seen. And this is another thing that I'd like to hang up on my wall someday, perhaps. Um, but it's it's gorgeous. The the you know interior art is is really cool, very visual, a lot of stuff going on, and there's a bit of realism to it too. Uh, I don't know really how to describe it, but there's you know the shadow effects and it, they're actually really, really well done. Um, I'm impressed with the art. I'm gonna give the art a uh, I'm gonna give it a nine for myself. Um, Greg, how are you thinking at it? The art, I'm gonna give it an eight. I will say like one of the biggest things for me like the Groot is amazing. This rocket, this art for this rocket isn't my favorite actually. It's uh, I. F- I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I feel like I've seen it like in older. It looks like a fifties. Like I'm getting like fifties Smokey the Bear cartoon. Vibes. I like Scraggly <laughs> Rocket. Yeah, I, um, I yeah. But I do love like the uniforms, I, and that's one of the things I miss from the movies. I, one of the reasons I loved um, Rocket's look in Infinity War. Yes. And Endgame was because of, or sorry, Endgame, not Infinity War, is because of like the, he had the classic Ravager look. Um, like Star Lord, they've never even harkened back to it with the helmet. Like he's yes, he's got the mask, but not the full like flame helmet. And then we still have time. Yeah, they might. It would be cool if they reference it. Uh, he's never even worn the military uniform. Or no, nothing like that. But um, all right, nine and an eight for artwork action. I literally can't say there's any action. I mean, the beginning and the flashback sequence very minimal, but. Um, and then, you know, him shooting and missing the targets. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I got to give it a low score for action. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah. it's. I mean, I think that's fair. I was going to say, like, a two or a three. Yeah, so two works. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Storyline. This is kind of a neat story, you know, and especially us knowing what's to come after this mm-hmm. book, the formation of the modern Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, this is... It's got a neat story, you know. He's 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 still a douchebag, uh, of course. But you know, he's he's got he's pretty much thrown into leading a team that he didn't want to really do, and that's for you know everybody likes to reference the movies. It's kind of how the movies mm-hmm. fell into. Um, I think it's important to note too, and they they kind of talk about in the beginning is he's got to go totally tech free 
So he's spent all this time being a soldier. Like he's had a million and one technology, like implants. Like yeah, he had something in his left eye that they removed. Yep. Aim, talk, like be be a little more durable. All this stuff, and even his guns were like these technically advanced guns. And now he's just using like basic machine guns, and that's one of the reasons he has trouble aiming. As they take, they're dropping him in front of his team and taking everything that has been made him a good soldier at the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to give, for the storyline, I'm going to give it an 8. Eight's a good number. Yeah, I think so. Oh, let's see, this thing keeps messing up. Okay. Um, dialogue. This very dialogue-driven storyline. It's really how you get to know the modern Star-Lord. Um, you know, his discussions with the Kree. And we all know Star-Lord's made for dialogue. Like, he's just... That's his thing, and he gets to interact with these characters who are in their prison cells. Uh, you know, with with Rocket, you can t- kind of get an early uh, early gist, I guess, for the kind of banter that they're going to have down the line. I'm going to give uh, the dialogue a nine. I'll give it a nine as well. Nine as well. Time with that. All right, and rereadability. Uh, would I reread this one again? It's um. I don't know if it's that one I would rush to pick up again. It's cool, like a sentimental, um, you know, value, just kind of where all these characters came from, essentially, the first meeting. Um, but I probably wouldn't rush to pick this one up again. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to give it a six in that department. I would give it... I'll actually give it a little higher score here. I would, I would probably give it um, an eight. Okay. Because if I'm going to pick this whole thing up, I would probably start there again. Okay. All right. Very good. So in total, um, my score, overall score for Star-Lord Annihilation Conquest number one is uh, 34 out of 50. What was your last score? You said... Uh, Rootability was a six or five. A five? Yeah. And you said a 34? Thirty-eight. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we pretty much mirrored on everything. Um, all right, very good. And uh, all I'm right, sorry, gr- no, thirty-seven. Thirty-seven, yeah, because you gave the uh, art a little less score. score. That's right. All right, and uh, Greg's gonna read off book number two. So mine starts with a lot of pew pewing and a lot of action. Uh, it really it starts with the team just <laughs> jumping right in pew pewing, and I love like the art on this. This panel, because it's like the brass out of um, Starlord's guns are like flying at the screen. And it's kind of awesome. Um, and you get to see this team just working. Um, and Captain Universe, they tell him, like, use his powers. And you can tell he doesn't have a full grasp. He's just like, ah, <laughs> I guess. Like, what am I doing it for? And Mantis actually has to explain it to him. Um, and they get in this little battle. He actually, his universe saves... Um, well, she like he like kills someone that's about to attack Deathcry, and they get in a little spat about it, um, and all keep moving forward. Um, they're just hunting, and they kind of like banter back and forth. At one point, it's a big part of the story. Is like Deathcry is like yelling at Captain Universe for taking her kill, and like it disparages his honor, her honor. Uh, and then there's a little conversation between like Mantis and Star Lord. She's kind of explaining like how everyone ticks to him. Like, she understands everyone's functions and how they move. Like, she, it seems like she knows more than the emotions. Um, but they they are, I believe they're, 
caught here. Yeah, there's like two of the two of the Annihilation Phalanx members. Um, Which I must say, these things look really, really cool. It's a really different artwork. I really I dig it. Like their brains in a jar, but they've got this like weird skull mask <laughs> over it, and it's it's pretty pretty sweet. Um, you kind of go back and forth, and uh, I actually like bug has a lot of like the the humor in this even more than star lord like yeah. he has some like you tell him to use the fucking uniforce and he says it just like that uh but then love bug like says something like, like uh star lord says all right let's go up there before we stir up a hornet's nest and he goes watch out some of my best friends are hornets <laughs> and captain universe is like wait really <laughs> um and then they kind of get into another area where a big fight breaks out they get attacked all over again um, and just are going back and forth fighting these robots. Mantis, like, she's like super martial artist. It looks like she knows like some sort of kung fu. Um, and Rocket catches like a, or sorry, not Rocket. Group catches like a rocket and throws it back, which was kind of awesome. And there's so much action back and forth. Like Mantis saves Starlord. I almost wonder. I don't know too much if Mantis kind of has a thing for. Like, Mantis and Star-Lord end up with a thing in this before Gamora comes around. Um, but it also seems like it could be Bug. But Rocket has the traditional Rocket. He's, like, jumping off everyone's back, talking to them, kind of, like, leading them around. And then it comes to this awesome scene where um, uh, Captain Universe kills another creature fighting Death Cry. And she actually, like, jumps at him trying to kill him. And he just, like, instinctually puts his hands up and vaporizes her, like... It's just like there's this it's, gory scene. Yeah, I was going like, to say, it's very graphic. <laughs> he's just like, he starts to, he can, like, starts to lose his confidence a little bit. Yeah, and like Rocket actually jumps on his back and like slaps him, like does that typical, like, kind of like he's almost the, in trying to encourage everybody to just stay, like, in an, in the fight. You know what, I, when I seen this scene, I kind of related it to when uh, Rocket slapped Thor in Endgame? Yes. Um, to try and get him back on track, because like Captain Universe is all like messed up after this, like yeah. really messed up, and you can tell there's definitely a bit of a dysfunction with the group. Yeah, um, you know, having to kill one of your teammates like that is a little rough. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I, that's that's what I alluded it to. There was a line up here too. I forgot about where like a Rocket jumps in front of. Uh... Uh, or sorry, Bug jumps in front of Rocket and he's like, you keep jumping in front of my bullets, we're going to have a problem. And he's like, more of a problem than a talking raccoon. He's like, yeah, from the insect. And then it's like going back and forth. And I really dug it. Uh, and then it, it goes, again, Group gets left behind and Rocket has that moment. Like I could picture from the movies where he's like screaming, reaching out for him. Um, but there's this other, just the rest of the supporting cast is awesome. Like like Bug is carrying Captain Universe and he's still like saying, like, I killed one of us, like blah, blah, blah. And, like, Groot's getting eaten alive and just saying, like, this death will be a glorious death, like, as he's going down. Um, and, like, then, and then again, Captain Universe is talked down by Star-Lord. And, like, Mantis is, Rocket's being talked down by Mantis, actually, because he's, like, watching his friend die. And they still have this close relationship. And then it ends with, like, them wondering how, they say, like, I wonder how expendable all of us are. And like Bugs, like I agree. I wonder too. And like, it gave me like a Suicide Squad vibe. Yes, yes. I really like this. And one thing I want to say, I, I wonder if like some of Bugs' personality is was translated into the movie Star Lord, 
this bug is like this ladies' man. Like they, they he goes, oh, that's my kind of woman. They're like, what kind of woman is it? Your kind of woman. And and I feel like Star Lord didn't have that like player vibe as much as Bug did. So I wonder if they like mixed those I can two characters. S- I can a see bit. that. I can see that. I yeah. I don't feel like that Bug would be a character that they'd ever bring to yeah. the main screen. So I can definitely kind of see that. Like some of the snarkiness and all that. Like I could definitely tell by some of his wittiness that that yeah, it's that's a great that's a great catch on your part. So I will start to grade this action. This is an easy one. The action is definitely a nine. Um, killer action. All sorts of really cool things going on. Um, they really did a good job at like showing off the team's abilities and, and just some really awesome action panels. Um, as well as the art in this one. As much as I already graded the other art like a seven, the action in this makes the art that much better. So I will give the art an eight. And I jumped ahead of you, so you get to... Oh, you're good. Um, artwork, yeah, I'm going to agree to your sentiment. I think I had... I had a 9 Did I have 8? No, I had a 9 in the art last time. Um, I'm going to give the artwork a 10 on this. You were you were 100% right. It made everything pop. Yeah. Um, it really showed off this artist's talent. Um, and from an action perspective, much, much improved on that end. Yeah. Um, you know, that's... That's how you kind of want your book number twos. You don't want to, you don't want them to kind of be more talky talky. Correct. Yeah, you want to get to the heart of the action. They did a good job of that. So I'm going to give the action a nine in this one. Much improved. Um, all right. So on the story, I will give the story an eight. I think just the individual. They did such a good job at telling like these individual stories in this short book with like what Captain Universe is struggling, Star-Lord trying to, like, lead this team, Rocket almost being, like, the glue as well that's, like, keeping each member um, together, like, this this fall of the She-Ra death cry, and, like, she are like, They continue, like, almost, like, villain, villainization of the she are, which I, like, kind of like. Yeah. Like, and then, like, like each character had their own little storyline throughout this. Like, you really got to meet each character and see what makes them tick and how they work through this action scene, even more than, I think, the initial introductions. Um, so, I, yeah, I give the story an 8. I think it's a really interesting story and, like, a cool way to go about it. Very good. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 9, and pretty much for the same reason. Um, everybody shined in this book. Everybody shined, which was which was important. Um you know, when you read a, a superhero comic, you kind of you want to see cool fight scenes, right? That's that's kind of what you gravitate towards. And this was all really cool. And every character didn't seem so cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. They all they all had their own thing going on. So, which was was really good. You got to see you got to see the emotional layers of it. You got to see their different physical, um, you know, and, and, and just powers in general, uh, which is really cool. So, yeah, I'm gonna go nine on that one. Uh, dialogue. Dialogue. Actually, like group mentions the glorious death thing like multiple times. Like this will be a glorious death of someone my stature. Like <laughs> he's definitely a very different character. Uh, but dialogue. I'm gonna give the overall dialogue. Uh, sorry, I just caught something else. He actually calls Rocket an impudent vermin because Rocket <laughs> told him to keep his seat warm. I'm gonna give the dialogue a ten. I think the dialogue is honestly the strongest suit of this book. Um. It's just really interesting. It's it, weird seeing like Groot be this like your tone lacks respect, but these disgusting machines could one day threaten like Planet X. I'll see them destroyed. Like kind of going back with Groot, who's his 
the rocket his buddy. Like, that's how he's talking to him. But it's weird hearing Groot not say, I am Groot. <laughs> yeah. No, you're being kidding. Um, but it's just, like, I feel like the back and forth dialogue is what drove that last thing we talked about, that story. Like, how it made each character shine is because we got to see their personality through this this dialogue. So I'm going to give that a 10. Excellent. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I'm going to go 10 as well. Uh, yeah, it was... It was great. It's important with anything when there's a group of characters that everybody, you know, kind of that shows off, but has their presence felt. You know, um, it happens in movies all the time. It you happens know, in wrestling, and you do a six yeah. man. Everyone's got to have their shine. Like, yes, everyone's got to get their their stuff in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hundred percent true. And then when somebody does it, you're like, oh, it's no, it's really noticeable. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, like, um, you know, just movie thing again, like Endgame, you know, you the final battle, want the portal scene. And you can tell some characters are getting spotlighted fighting against Hulk, Thanos' army. And everyone's complaint was Hulk didn't get a spotlight moment. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hulk did not, um, you know, and, and Drax had like a really quick little bit. But you, you can tell, like, they gave Star-Lord a little extra, P, you know, extra part of the action. And all these major characters, Spider-Man. extra part of the action, Spider-Man. Um, but you could tell you were like, oh, you know, not that anybody was like, damn, Mantis didn't do anything, but, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, but, but that was, that was kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, very, very well done. Um, yeah, the dialogue definitely drove everything else in it. Yeah, so, yeah. for sure. All right. And then rereadability. I, I'm just going to stick with my other score, um, and, and eight just across the board for that rereadability. I, I really, again, enjoyed this book. I, I like if. I think this is a cool book for Guardians fans to read um, and kind of get edumacated on like where this came from and, and where they all came from. And that's a big part of why we do this show, too, is um, I'm a little bit, in an honest form, like a, a, a comic, not a snob, but like, I, I'm one of those people that when I like sit at a place and I hear people having conversations about comic books and they're like strictly going off movie Movies. knowledge... I'm I'm not like oh you're stupid like the, like you're wrong because you, I'm more like hey man pick up the book you'll love it even more I don't want to say like I'm like oh you guys are wrong for only liking the movies because guess what my wife only likes the movies and that's fine like yeah. that's just some some people don't like to read but I like if you dig the comic books like dig deeper why not right like I think like a lot of people who aren't fans of DC comics it's because they only know what they know from like the movies and the shows. And they haven't like picked up a book where like DC Comics books are just so different than They're all that. So good, so deeper. And Marvel, I feel like, is the same way. Especially, not. I, I think Marvel nowadays, personally, is lacking in the last six years. I haven't really picked up a Marvel book that's been like blowing my mind. Like World of Realms was okay, right? But like, you pick up some like classic '80s, early '90s, even some older stuff. Like that, more Marvel shines so much, even more than the movies. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, all right, uh, for rereadability on my end, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, so final, my final, my final score is forty six out of fifty. Forty three. Forty three. Why does that seem wrong? That seems wrong. It How does a little bit. Nine, eight, eight, ten, and eight. <laughs> Still on vacation, brain. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of vacation, 43, I was right. Okay. Uh, I just got back from 
Oh my gosh, where did I get it? Six Joy-Z. Flags in Jersey. Joy-Z. Which has like the tallest roller coaster of all time, which I rode at the middle of the night, so I couldn't see the track. Wait, and it's what? a straight drop, which was sick. It didn't light it up at all? Nope. <laughs> and it is a it is a ninety degree drop, 140 miles an hour, tallest roller coaster in the world. That's that's so cool. But on the the comic book side of it, I got to ride I, the only ride I didn't ride actually was the two Batman rides. Um, unfortunately, but they have Batman rides. They have Batman rides. They have the Batman roller coaster and the Batman um, the, or a Dark Knight roller coaster. Oh, I didn't get to ride the Cyborg either, which looks super cool. It wasn't a roller so coaster. Jealous. It was like a Cyborg. Uh, it was like one of those twisting rides. We did do the the. This is why the one the Lasso of Truth was like an hour and a half wait <laughs> for this like swinging ride. It was cool. I really dug it. Uh, I rode my favorite. Superhero themed roller coaster was the Bizarro, which if you like Superman, like Bizarro, was, it was just an awesome coaster and it had like all of these props. The Green Lantern ride was super cool because like it had like you actually like flew through parallax. It's a standing roller coaster, so a lot of people aren't crazy about it because it's a weird thing to get used to. I just like that it's DC thing. I really didn't know that they had that. Well, that was what Six Flags was supposed to be. That's why we got the I Superman. Remember, I remember originally, yeah, because they used to do a Batman it's show Warner, at the one local yeah. too. That was my favorite. It was Warner Brothers owned, but they had like a Dark Knight, a Batman. What else? There was a Harley Quinn train. We did a Joker roller coaster. Um, and the other roller coaster that I'm gonna forget. Oh, the Superman, where you're actually laying down, flying. Oh, okay. Which was, there was a, the, my one beef about that is like you couldn't see in front of you, but there was a moment where you actually like go upside down and backwards down a loop, which was like you're like upside down on your back doing like a flip, and that was so cool. But the coolest thing about all of this was um, like the Green Lantern ride was like Ferris Air, and everything had like they had comic book strips, like these huge comic book strips all around the park so as you're waiting through line you're reading these comic book strips actually got a really cool batman or green lantern hat like the bizarro actually had its own custom comic book around like the six flags right really <laughs> which was super cool like and it's you're walking and reading it all and the, like the props were super cool bizarro I, first roller coaster i've ever been on like legit roller coaster that shot fire at me like as you do a flip fire shoots up from the sky and then like because of his fire powers and then like Water comes through at one point, hits you in the face because of the ice. And it, was, it was really cool. Like the cyborg ride at night lit up was really cool. We actually could have we stayed in like where a lot of the, the roller coasters because it was Fright Fest later. Yeah, and we could have done that one at night, but um, we were just beat by that point. We had been oh, I'm sure twelve hours waiting in line, doing all sorts of roller coasters. We rode the El Toro, which is like the coolest wooden ride I've ever ridden. What part of Jersey is this in? Jackson Township. Okay. So, how about how far away from Buffalo? Six and a half hours. Okay. Not a bad drive. Um, plus we have like the Six Flags membership, so if you have like a season pass, you can just go there. Right. And it was, it was really worth it. It was really cool. Every, like every ride, uh, the Joker one had like all these like carnival, you know, like the, so the oddity signs, like meet yeah. the half wolf. And it was all villains. Oh. And so I, I really dug that. It was a cool time. It was a gift from my wife for my birthday. Um, it was just like our little getaway since we went to Disney for hers. It's a little cheaper for us, but it was still it was just really cool uh, seeing all the superhero theme stuff. Like I was, it was popping me huge, um, and like the Wonder Woman signs. And my wife is like slow, like she likes Wonder Woman, like that's her superhero. Thing. Yeah, she's like it's Wonder Woman. I want to do it, <laughs> and it's a cool ride. It was, it's all her. Like it's a spinning flippy ride, but yeah. Good. Um, I'm glad you had fun, dude. You deserve it, man. It's yeah, that sounds like a really good time. But sharing superhero themed stuff is so cool, and like especially like Bizarro is like one of their most popular rides. Yeah, and not a lot of people know who he is. And no, they like, don't. Oh, 
oh, it was so cool to me. And like, it was just a big sign that was like Bizarro number one. And these, these, when you walk up, they're huge signs of the characters. And like, there was a giant green lantern. I'm sad I didn't take a picture with it. A green lantern lantern that was like 10 of me tall. And I was like, this is awesome. I was in, I was in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were, man. That's, oh, that's really cool. I'll have to check that out eventually. Oh, yeah. Um, without a doubt. But all right, everybody. I mean, that pretty much concludes this week's episode. Uh, yeah, we're going to be back next week starting our Halloween festivities. Spoopy. Spoopy. So next week will be the Joker episode. Yep. We'll be, we'll be talking Joker. Um, it's not, I know it's not directly Halloween monsters, but Joker's got some twisted stories, and I think that's what we're going to lean to is his most, like, weird and twisted, messed up Joker. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a perfect way uh, to kick it off. There's nothing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good Joker stories, um, and I'm sure Greg is going to uh, find us some great books to recap. I believe it. But um, that does it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the panel discussion. We'll talk to you next week.